Hello, boys and girls, and welcome to Storytime with your favorite hosts, Danny Whiting and Andy Something. Gather round the campfire and cozy up with a blanket and hot cup of tea and soothe your soul. Melt your spirit, fuck your brain, with beautiful stories from the heart. Listener discretion is advised, as they do talk about rape and murder and shit, but that's on you at this point, really. Hello, children, and welcome back to another episode of Bedtime Stories. You're going to get a lovely sleep tonight, just like you did last Thursday. Do you remember how well you slept? Yeah! Of course you do. And as always, I'm Mr. Horlicks. Say hello, Mr. Horlicks. Hi, Mr. Horlicks. And I'm joined by Dr. Rahitmol. Say hi, Dr. Rahitmol. Dr. Rahitmol. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Thanks, kids. And what is your name? Uh, oh, what wow. a name! Your Lovely parents name. are very clever. Yeah, very, very clever. They're that clever. They've hired us to tell you a little bedtime story. They told us you slept so soundly last week that they can't wait for another episode to be done. So here we are, bringing it to you, coming in, in your, your ears. ears. We will be telling you a little story taking you all the way back to 2006. Wow. Do you remember 2006, children? I bet you don't. I bet you don't. So in 2006, on the 20th of January, a whale takes a dip in the River Thames. She later died from convulsions, but was rescued dead at around 7pm on the 21st of January. Aww. Sad dolphin. Did anything else happen in 2006? Do you remember the Mumbai train bombings? Wow, I did! Do 209 people dead! Wow! How big of a number is that? Can you count to 209? Also, Pluto was downgraded from a planet to a little person planet. It was not. It was. <gasps> formerly known as a dwarf planet. Oh, wow. Famously, Saddam Hussein was found. Oh, our friend Saddam. Saddam oh. For many of years. He was a lovely man. Well, no. 
Everybody here is our friend, Daniel. True, true. Every person is a potential friend. However, Saddam can't be our friend these days. Mm, that's right, kids. You're missing out on a friend. Because he was hung by the neck until dead. A hundred and forty-eight people saw his death, though. Uh, well, I was one of them, Dr. Hitmore. You were there. I, no, I wasn't there, but I got sent it on my Bluetooth Sony Walkman Ericsson. I saw it also. I was drinking a can of San Pellegrino Limon. Very nice. Well, should we crack on with the bedtime story now? Yeah, we should. Please, after you. This story is about a family who didn't resolve their issues by talking about their feelings. You should always resolve your issues and always talk about your feelings. For example, right now, I feel aggressively horny. <laughs> Me too, Dr. Hitmo. Anywho, we will be visiting a little place called Medicine Hat City in South East Canada. With over <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Me too, I'm always... I'm also feeling aggressively horny. <laughs> Me too. With over 300 days of sunshine a year, the city of Medicine Hat is thought to be the sunniest city in all of Canada. And back in 2006, it had a population of 57,000 people with a beautiful picturesque landscape, a low cost living, good schools and low crime rate. Medicine Hat City was viewed as a great place to live. And so, in September 2003, Deborah and Mark Richardson moved into their dream home in Cameron Road. The couple, who married in 1991, had two children, because they also was aggressively horny. <laughs> and they named... <laughs> oh, fuck. Professional, professional, professional. They named their daughter Jasmine and their son Jacob, who were nine and five years old at the time of the move. From what I hear, the family settled into the neighbourhood well, making friends with their neighbours. We all talked about friends last week, didn't we kids? Oh, we did, yes. Mark was a talented mechanic and welder, was easygoing and had lots of friends. Like I hope you do too. Deborah was also a popular bubbly woman, and in 2006 she started a business course and was hoping to start her own company. A woman doing a company. Can you imagine, kids? Saddam Hussein couldn't imagine that. <laughs> oh, of course not. He was hung by the neck until dead. And hated women. <laughs> <laughs> After spending the previous few years being a stay-at-home mum. Now 12, Jasmine attended St Mary's School where she was happy, sociable and a bright student. 
Her younger brother Jacob, now eight years old, loved wrestling figures and Star Wars and wanted to be a policeman or a soldier when he grew up. If I remember, his love of Star Wars comes up later in this pod. He was often seen by the neighbours playing hockey in the family's back garden. On Sunday the 23rd of April 2006, on a bright sunny day, the Richardson's neighbours pulled up on the driveway and their six-year-old son asked his mum if he could knock for his friend Jacob. His mother agreed to let her son go and knock for Jacob. However, almost immediately after he left to go and get his friend, the young child started screaming for his mother in a very distressed state. He said, Sorry about that, children. I got my lines mixed up. He starts screaming for his mother in a very distressed state. He runs to his mother and tells her that he could see a body covered in blood through the basement window. The mother went to check. She looks in through the window and then hurries back to her car to call the police and inform them what she has seen. Nino, 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 Nino. We should have really have checked what um, sirens cars make in Canada. That's true. If anyone knows uh, children, of course, if any of you know what a Canadian ambulance sounds in 2006, please send in to us and we will use it in our next pod. That's right, kids. You can be featured. A dick pic would go down well too. Soon after, the inspectors arrive at the house. He, he looks through the basement window and sure enough there's a person covered in blood laying on the floor he immediately calls for backup and when more officers have arrived at the house they break in to inspect further they find the bodies of deborah and mark richardson they had been stabbed multiple times the family dog was sat next to their bodies, crying. Aww. At this point, the police find handprints in the hallway, leading upstairs to her bedroom. Oh. This is where they come across a devastating scene. Young Jacob's body was lying in a pool of blood on his bed. He had been stabbed multiple times and his throat had also been slit. I bet you he looked like Kermit the Frog. We love Kermit the Frog, don't we kids? Black handled knives were found at the scene. One knife had been rinsed clean while the other was still covered with dried blood. One of the knives was bent at the tip indicating the force with which it had been used. Immediately the police realised that one of the family members were missing and so they began searching for 12 year old Jasmine, believing they'd find a body. When this didn't happen, they became concerned that Jasmine was being held captive by the person who murdered her family. (gasps) Imagine your family being murdered, kids. 
after the initial search of the house, including Jasmine's online accounts, it quickly became apparent that Jasmine wasn't a victim after all. She was safe. Yay! However, she was also the police's prime suspect. During the preceding few months, Jasmine had undergone a dramatic change. Almost overnight, she went from a young girl playing forts in the garden to someone who fully embraced what the newspapers called the local goth culture. She began wearing heavy gothic style dark makeup and looked several years older than the 12 years old that she was. She had started getting into trouble at school for the first time in her life particularly in relation to what the school considered to be inappropriate clothing. Jasmine had joined various online forums under the screen name such as Runaway Devil, where she discussed her love of piercings, dark poetry and death metal music, as well as her hatred of her parents. One night at a metal concert, she met a man by the name of Jeremy Stank. Jeremy, who was nine years older than Jasmine, who is 12, so what does that add up to, kids? Get your fingers and toes out. You may need to borrow some for mummy and daddy too. So nine, add 12 is... That's right, 23. Big clap for everyone. And so, Jeremy... <laughs> And so, Jeremy was 23 years old at the time, but he claimed that he was actually a werewolf who had lived for over 300 years. Wow! Did you know, Dr. Rahitmore, I also used to be a werewolf, but I'm alright and now! <laughs> Jeremy had a difficult upbringing, his father beat him most days, and his mother turned to alcohol in an attempt to cope with his situation. Imagine that. Pete. <laughs> when his parents divorced, things did not improve. Two stepfathers followed, both of whom were violent towards Jeremy and his mother. And so, Jeremy, likely as a trauma response, at around the age of 13, developed an alternative persona of being a werewolf. What would you be, kids, if you were beaten by your parents? And if you are beaten by your parents, we are sorry. As he reached adulthood, his friends knew that he liked the taste of blood, and he would actually wear a vial of blood around his neck. A former flatmate, would later say how he witnessed Jeremy slicing his own hand with a knife in order to drink his own blood. Jeremy had recently broken up with his fiance and was in a very dark place. And so, when he met Jasmine, they both quickly became obsessed with each other. Understandably, Jasmine's parents were furious and were not happy with their daughter spending time with a man almost twice her age. And they told her that she was forbidden from seeing him. However, neither Jasmine nor Jeremy were prepared to accept this, and soon they were plotting online, detailing a very dark plan that Jasmine wrote to Jeremy, where she said, I have a plan which begins with me killing them and ends with me living with you. 
To which Jeremy replied, I love your plan, but we need to get a little more creative with like details and stuff. Oh, you guys get creative in art class, don't you? Jasmine and Jeremy spoke openly with their friends about the hatred of their parents and how they planned to kill them. These friends did not believe that Jasmine and Jeremy were serious and just thought that the pair were just chatting wham. On Friday the 21st of April, Jeremy was at a party where he boasted that he soon he was going to kill three people and then head to Europe with his girlfriend. The following day, whilst Mark, the dad, was cooking a barbecue on his back porch for his family, Jeremy was watching the film Natural Born Killers, a film that he would later claim was the best love story of all time. Woody Harrelson and Juliette Lewis, kids. Ask your parents to get you it on VHS, it's a brilliant one. By the following morning, Deborah, the mother, Mark, the father, and Jacob, the son, had all been stabbed to death. Aww. Oh dear. The same afternoon as the family's bodies were being found by the police, a seemingly relaxed and happy Jasmine and Jeremy were hanging out together with a group of friends. Jeremy had a black eye, but this was an unusual occurrence for a man well known for trouble by the local police. At around 8am the following day, Monday the 24th of April that was, the pair were tracked down and arrested about 100 miles in Lida, Saskatchewan. They were with three friends who claimed they believed they were going on a camping trip together. Both Jasmine and Jeremy were charged with three counts of first degree murder, but due to only being 12 years old at the time, Jasmine couldn't be named in the press, and so was only referred to as Junior. No, silly Dr. Rahimel, it's JR for oh, Jasmine Richardson. Jasmine Richardson. That makes more sense. Yes. Although. It was clear to anyone reading the press coverage that she was the young daughter of the murdered family. Jasmine Richardson. Jasmine Richardson. <laughs> in her first court appearance, Jasmine appeared to be shackled and in an oversized blue jumpsuit. She did not speak other than to confirm her name and suddenly this young girl, who presented herself as much older than she was, again looked like a 12 year old child. Because of the difference in their age, Jasmine and Jeremy had to be trialled separately. And if convicted, the maximum sentence Jasmine could receive would be 10 years, with no more than 6 of them being spent in custody, and the remainder being served under supervision in the community, after which she would be set free. However, with Jeremy, if he would be convicted, then he would face a life sentence without the possibility of parole for at least 25 years. And after release, he would continue to be monitored for the rest of his life. During their time in jail, whilst awaiting trial, Jasmine and Jeremy exchanged letters where they promised to marry one day, and they boasted about how they would become legends and at no point expressed guilt or remorse for their actions, only sadness that they didn't manage to run away. Jasmine went to trial first, beginning on the 4th of June 2007, where she pleaded not guilty, claiming that the conversation about murdering her parents were hypothetical and that she never had any intention of acting upon them. The prosecutor called around 70 witnesses including several friends, who
who provided detail of how Jasmine was acting immediately after the murder. I just need to say kids, because this is another lesson you can learn from bedtime stories. They are not friends, because friends don't rat. They don't, they don't dob you in. The friends also detailed on how Jasmine had told them about her brother making a gurgling sound as he died. This was a fact that was backed up by the young boy's autopsy, which is a weird name for a company. <laughs> so next time kids, you're taking your mouthwash, when you gurgle in the back of your throat, think of little poor Jacob. little Jacob. Jacob. Prosecution showed that 40 year old Deborah had been killed first, having been stabbed 12 times. Can you get your fingers out kids and count to 12? Especially if you're from Ellesmere Port. Her <laughs> husband Mark tried to come to her aid and attempted to defend himself with a screwdriver, but was overpowered and stabbed 24 times. Should we count up to 24 to show how many times he was stabbed? Are you ready, kids? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Jacob had been strangled and stabbed and then had his throat slit. The brutal graphic nature of the crime came to light with over 1500 crime scene photographs being entered into evidence. Forensic evidence was presented that linked Jasmine and Jeremy to the crime scene, including footprints found near the broken basement window that were consistent with Jasmine's size 6 converse and Jeremy's size 10.5 suede shoes. There was, however, so much blood in the basement of the house that investigators couldn't even attempt to take footwear impressions. On the 3rd of July 2007, Jasmine broke down in tears as she told the witness stand that she blames herself for the murders because she had told Jeremy that she wished their family were dead, even though she didn't mean it. She testified that she had tried to comfort her brother as they listened to their parents being killed and that she had retrieved a knife in order to protect herself and Jacob tried to protect himself with his toy lightsaber. Remember kids? Remember? Star Wars! However, when Jeremy appeared and demanded that she stabbed her younger brother, she did so. She claimed that Jeremy then grabbed the knife and slit her brother's throat. She testified that she was scared of Jeremy and that she was shocked when he left the house without her. So she had to go to a nearby convenience store to get cash and then called a taxi to go and meet Jeremy. Details about Jeremy's claims of being a werewolf were not disclosed in court as they thought they were deemed to be inflammatory and not relevant to the case. 
Additionally, the initial police interview with Jasmine was not shown, as it was stated that the police used subtle threats and manipulation to gain a statement and violated Jasmine's rights to have a lawyer present. The jury of seven men and five women deliberated for just over three hours before returning to their verdict. Jasmine was found guilty of three counts of first degree murder and was sentenced to the maximum punishment of six years in prison plus four years supervision. It would take another 16 months for Jeremy's case to go to trial as it was moved to Calgary due to intensive publicity surrounding the murders. Again, witnesses testified that Jeremy and Jasmine had confessed to the crimes and that Jeremy had claimed his victims were gutted like fish. The jury were told how after his arrest, Jeremy had confessed to the murders to an undercover police officer and he reportedly told this officer that as he stabbed Mark, he had asked why, to which Jeremy replied, because your daughter wanted it that way. He told the officer that he had killed Deborah first, but then he killed Mark in self-defence, even expressing surprise that he had managed to overpower the larger man. Jeremy stated that it was Jasmine and not himself who had killed Jacob. In court, a friend of Jeremy's testified that when Jeremy had been watching Natural Bone Killers the night before the murders, there was a scene where the younger brother was spared, to which Jeremy had said, that's where it would be different, she would kill her brother. When Jeremy took to the stand on the 1st of December 2008, great year, despite the horrific nature of the crimes for which he was charged, he came across as more sympathetic defendant than Jasmine had been in her trial. Talk of his abusive childhood and desperate need to be loved led on to how he had been controlled by Jasmine, who he believed had been much older than her 12 years. Jeremy admitted being out of control on alcohol, marijuana, cocaine and ecstasy. Sounds like a great night to me, kids. <coughs> on the night of the murders, he said that he had never intended to kill anyone. He was simply planning on helping Jasmine sneak out of her house so that they could be together. He recalled stabbing Deborah once in the abdomen and could recall a struggle with Mark, but said that he could not remember anything else. This was all in contradiction to his extensive online posts about the killings, his confessions to his friends and his confessions to the undercover police officer, which Jeremy claims was purely just prison bravado so that his other inmates would leave him alone. The one point in which he was consistent was that it was Jasmine who killed oh, Jacob. Jacob. His lawyers claimed that the crimes were a result of an impulsive reaction and were not premeditated murders. So he could only be found guilty of second degree murder or manslaughter. On the 4th of December 2008, the six women and six men of the jury retired to consider their verdict. The following day, Jeremy was found guilty of three counts of first degree murder and sentenced to life in prison, eligible for parole only after 25 years. In 2012, the Canadian press reported that Jasmine was responding well to therapy and was showing significant and genuine remorse for the killings and finally taking responsibility for what she has done. By the following year, it was reported that she was living under supervision, doing well at work, was living on her own and has a low risk of reoffending. She had almost become a poster child for rehabilitation. 
She has since been given a new identity and following the completion of her sentence and supervision, she is now a completely free woman. As all women should be, Saddam. And that, kids, is your bedtime story. Oh, don't be sad that it's over. Be sad that we exist. How could they be sad when they feel this sleepy? Dr. Hypnol and Mr. Horlicks have done their job once more. So kids, don't fight those tired eyes. Don't fight those heavy eyelids. Just let go. Go into the darkness and don't worry about it. I want my mum. What? You don't want to go to sleep? Okay then. I'll tell you what. Dr. Hitmol here has brought his VHS. And we'll put one episode of the Teletubbies on for you. But then you have to promise to go to sleep. And don't tell mummy and daddy. This is a secret tape. Do you want to tickle their feet? Oh, my little toes! Would you like that, then. kids? Would you like that? Little tickly wickly and little wriggly tickly. Mm. Oh. Okay, Teddy Tuppies is on now. So, kids, enjoy. Over the hills and far away, Teddy Tuppies come to play. The time has come to say goodnight, to say sleep tight till the morning light. The time has come to say goodnight, it's the end of a lovely day. Time has come to say goodnight, to say sleep tight till the morning light. The time has come to say goodnight, it's the end of a lovely day. So much fun today Tomorrow's just a dream away Now it's time to say goodnight At the end of a lovely day